Hear the word of the Lord. From Genesis 12, verses 10 to 20. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and said, And she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maid servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, What have you done to me? he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him away with his wife and everything he had. Morning. Let's begin with prayer, shall we, before we dig into the word? Lord, we thank you for this story we're about to look at, this event in Abram's life that we can so relate to. And Lord, we thank you that you have a plan as we look at it together to grow our faith. Pray you do that this morning. Lord, your word is powerful. You promised that it will not return to you void. So Lord, I pray that it would not this morning, that our hearts would be open, that you would capture our hearts for your kingdom, for your purposes, through your word. We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I have a friend, I'll call him Tom, not his real name, who came to Christ when he was in his late teens, and he got really excited about his faith. He, he jumped right into uh, getting involved in a church, in a Christian ministry on campus. He was growing, he was thirsty for the Word. It was a wonderful time in his life, just passion and zeal for the Lord, and so he pursued the Lord well, and he was growing and excited, and, and then... He just began to see areas in his life that God began to reveal to him where he really didn't trust God well. Areas of selfishness, areas of lust, areas of self-protection. And as he began to struggle with these areas, he dedicated them to the Lord. He committed himself to root these things out of his life so that he could really be God's man. But over time, he found he couldn't really get these out of his life himself. He began to struggle more. The more he tried, the more he failed. He found himself getting more and more overwhelmed with his own failings and his own inability to trust God. And so finally, he really felt like God must have given up on him. Oh, he didn't walk away from the faith. He didn't walk away from church. But... God no longer really had his heart. And so he lived for a long time, going to church, going to a Bible study, but feeling as though God must have set him on a shelf. 
because he didn't have his life together and that until he could get his life together, he would stay on that shelf. Is that the way God works? Is that who God is, that he watches over us and and expects us to have our act together and if we don't, then he sets us aside until we can get our act together? Well, I think many of us think so. I've known many Christians, like my friend Tom, who feel that way. And yeah, they go through the motions because they know God's true and, and they have flashes of trust, but, but in a lot of ways they've kind of shut down, withdrawn from God. And if we're honest, we all have to admit that we're weak in our faith. We don't trust God perfectly. And so we begin to wonder if we're set aside by God. And so we just kind of survive in the Christian life waiting for Jesus to come back or to do something dramatic in our lives. Well, I love this story of Abram, this section of Scripture that uh, we just heard read to us because it's a wonderful picture to us of how God responds when we fail. Remember, Abram, we saw last week, was called by God to leave his family, leave his security, leave his nation, leave his relatives, and go to a place that God would show him. And he didn't know where that was, but he stepped out in faith. As Adrian said, he said yes to God, and he went, and he went to this place, and as he went into the land of Canaan, God said, this is the land I've promised to you. And so Abram claimed it for God. He built two different altars there. He went all the way through the land, and he trusted God. But in our passage today, we see that his faith has a long ways to go. (laughs) He fails to trust God, and we learn something wonderful about God as we go through this passage. So let's look at what happens when our faith fails, when we are faithless. Now, verse 10 of chapter 12 of Genesis says this, There was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. Now remember again the promises of God. God had called Abram to the land of Canaan. But now all of a sudden there's a famine and so he leaves the promised land, the land that God told him he would give him and would bless him and take care of him, provide a name for him, and he leaves. He decides, you know what? There's not much food around here. There's a famine going on. We don't know what caused the famine. It could have been drought. could have been locusts, whatever. But he's hungry. And he decides, I'm going to go take care of my family. I want to look at uh, this map here and just, again, set the context for you. As we saw last week, Abram grew up here in the Fertile Crescent, which was the area that is now Kuwait and southern Iraq. Very lush area. He grew up there, and then he moved with his family up into this area, Haran, which is northern Iraq, the Kurdish area, maybe into Turkey. And then God came and spoke to him and said, Go to the land I will show you. So he traveled over to this area, the land of Israel. And in the land of Israel... That's where God said, this is the land I promised to give you. I promised to take care of you. He went all through the land, down into the Negev, the southern part, which is more deserty. And then a famine came. And he thought, you know what? There's not a lot of food over here. But look at all that lush green area over in Egypt. It sure looks better than what I've got here. (laughs) So 
he heads to Egypt. He heads over to this land where he's thinking, okay, at least there they have food. So he leaves the land of promise and steps out to find food for himself. Now what's going on here? You see, I think God is testing Abram's faith. Abram, who later his name is changed to Abraham. Here he's called Abram. God is seeking to grow his faith so Abram will learn to trust God even more. Yes, he trusted God when he stepped out, but he has a lot of areas of his life where he doesn't trust God very well. And one is in this area of food and trusting God to really provide for him. So God is testing his faith. God provides a famine. And he gives Abram an opportunity to either trust God, stay in the land, believe God's promises to him, or take life into his own hands and seek to provide for himself. This is a test of faith, and as we've heard, Abram failed the test of faith. You know, over in uh, James chapter 1, James writes in verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, God has a plan when he tests our faith. We think, wow, I'm blowing it, I'm not trusting God very well, and therefore (laughs) I'm set on a shelf. But God's working through all that, even through our failure. And we need to begin to understand that's the kind of God we serve. He's so faithful to us that he works even through our failure because, you see, it's through our failures that we become broken of our self sufficiency of our self-dependence and that's ultimately God's plan is that we might trust him with our whole hearts so see failure our failure is even a tool of God to grow us up and increase our faith in him so instead of staying in the land Abraham takes off and begins this pathway of self-dependence And you know, that happens to us, right? Once we decide, I'm not sure I can trust God, I'm afraid, I better take life in my own hands, we begin to move down this path of self-dependence and like we'll see with Abraham, it only leads to trouble. So let's see what he does. First he goes, heads to Egypt, and then listen carefully to his plan of how he's going to take care of himself. Verse 11, it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know you're a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they'll say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they'll let you live. Please say that you're my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. So Abram's headed to this new land. He doesn't really know what the Egyptians are like, but it's scary. It's a foreign land, and he knows, you know, people can be pretty cruel. And so he thinks, wow, if I go there, Sarai is beautiful. Now, she's 65 years old at this point. But, you know, she must have been beautiful because, as we see, they really did see her beauty. And Abram thinks the worst, right? He thinks, well, they might... (laughs) 
they might kill me to get to you if we say you're my wife. So he schemes here and he thinks, okay, let's say you're my sister. Let's just tell everybody that. That way, they may try to come court you, but I'm your brother, you know, so I can take care of you, and, uh, and I'll kind of screen them so they won't get to you. And, you know, we can stay in control, and we can stay safe. He schemes this, and, and by the way, when he says that, he says, say you're my sister, he's actually being somewhat truthful. As we see over in chapter 20, he does the same scheme again with a different king, the king of the Philistines, Abimelech, But in verse 12 there, as he's explaining himself, he says, Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And then she became my wife. So, you know, he's telling a half-truth, but the reality is she's living as his wife. So he's being deceitful. He lies, and he tells her to lie. (laughs) And notice his perspective here. Please do this, Sarai, because it'll be good for me. He's not really considering how it'll affect her, right? He only cares about himself. And that's what happens when we get self-dependent. Self takes control and we only think about ourselves and we only take care of ourselves ultimately in the end. So... You find when you don't trust God, you've got to take life in your own hands and you end up spending your energy trying to care for yourself. So he manipulates Sarah. Hey, you could save my life, Sarah. Isn't that great? (laughs) But I want to ask you, especially you women out there, how would you feel if you were Sarah? (laughs) I asked a few women this. And you know what? They gave me some words. Terrified, abandoned, hurt, angry, uncared for. You know, she's put in a situation now where she is at risk. She's abandoned by her husband, and all he cares about is himself. Now, again, he's rationalized it that, well, I can protect her and I can take care of her, and, but he's, he's led her into lying. himself now some of you out there some of you wives and maybe some single women you know exactly how that feels you have felt abandoned by your husbands or by your family people in your life but let me just say that that is an opportunity for you to trust God Sarai has an opportunity to trust God her faith is being tested as well Will she trust God even when Abram treats her this way? And, you know, as far as we can tell from the text, Sarai does trust God. And God takes care of her and protects her, even in this difficult, awful situation, as far as we can see. So I want you to notice the progression with Abram. This is is kind of how it works. When we give way to fear instead of trusting God, God, I'm going to really believe you're going to come through for me. I'm going to believe your promises to never leave me, to care for me, to provide, even though it's hard. Life seems scary. But when we don't trust God and we give way to fear and think, I better take things in my own hands, then we begin to live as though God isn't even there. We neglect Him. I've got to provide for myself. So from there we begin to act 
to take things in our own hands, to act on our own behalf. And we tend to fear the worst. The Egyptians might kill me. This might happen. So I better protect myself from all the things that could come my way. And we begin to scramble and panic and try to control life. And that's where we get into trouble, right? We try to control life and life is not in our control. It is in someone else's control. It's in God's. But when we try to take control ourselves, then in the end, we act selfishly in self-protective ways and ultimately we do harm to others like Abram does to Sarai. It's a progression that happens. We either trust God or not. Let me just give you an example I think many of us struggle with and that's loneliness. Some of you are single out there. You've struggled with loneliness. You long to be married. Some of you have lost spouses. Some of you are married and you feel very lonely in your marriage. You see, we all experience loneliness even if we are married because our spouse can never fulfill the depths of our hearts. And then we have a choice. Do I trust God with my loneliness to be the one who will take care of me and meet my needs and I will continue to trust Him or... Do we give way to fear? Oh no, my needs will not be met. I better take life in my own hands. And I've seen so many do that. Begin to look for ways. I've got I've to deal with this loneliness in my heart. And so they go to chat rooms or they begin a relationship that's unhealthy with somebody at work or a neighbor or an acquaintance somewhere or begin to move in circles of I've got to control my loneliness and deal with it myself. And it always leads to more pain and struggle. One last comment about Abram's failure of faith here. It strikes me that as you look at it, he fails to trust God by doing this, by saying, Sarah is my sister, etc. Well, in chapter 20, he does it again. Same thing, as I've said, with this Philistine king, But as you read on in Genesis, in chapter 26, his son does the same thing. Claims that Rebekah is his sister so that he won't be killed. And it it strikes me that we, even though we don't realize that we are an example, especially to our children, but to other people around us who are watching our lives, as we get our faith tested, Are we being examples of people who fear what's happening and take life in our own hands because people are watching? Or do we become examples of people who trust God in the midst of the test so that they learn to trust God too when they are tested? Well, so Abram fails miserably in his faith. But you know what strikes me about this? Abram in the New Testament is a wonderful example to us of faith. And I think we need to realize that we can fail, (laughs) and yet God is still at work. He's still working to bring us back and to help us grow our faith and help us become the example He's called us to be. He's created us to be. Well, let's look at the consequences of what happens from the scheme that He carries out. Verse 14, It came about when Abram came into Egypt the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, just like Abram feared. 
Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. (laughs) On the one hand, you could say, well, you know, worked out pretty well for Abram, right? I mean, he didn't get killed. Uh... And he got a bunch of donkeys and camels, men servants and maid servants. You know, he made out pretty well. But you know what? He didn't. <laughs> and, and we need to realize that when we take life in our own hands, it may appear to work for a while. But in the end, it always falls apart. Why? Because of God's commitment to help us learn to trust him more and not have our self-sufficiency work out. He won't allow that. Because he loves us too much to let us stay there. He wants to lead us to a place of brokenness, of our self-sufficiency, our self-dependence. So he begins to work in Abram's life to help it not work out for him. (laughs) How did it not work? Well, you know, again, Abram thought, hey, I'll get to keep my wife around. I'll pretend she's my sister. I'll keep the suitors at bay. And then suddenly his whole plan gets blown up because Pharaoh takes her into his harem. Now he's lost her as his wife, the one he loves because of his foolish, selfish plan. And I would imagine every bray of the donkey, every bleeding of the sheep, every spitting of the camels (laughs) would be a reminder to him of what he did to his wife. But even more than that, What's happened, Abram's choice here, has threatened the whole plan of God, hasn't it? God called Abram and said, I'm giving you a land to live in. I'm going to bless you in that land. I'm going to give you a good reputation so that you can be a blessing to everyone. I'm going to give you many descendants. And now that whole plan is threatened because he doesn't have a wife, so how's he going to have descendants? He's trapped in another land, so he's not even in the promised land anymore that God had promised him. He's losing his reputation because he's a liar and a cheat. The whole thing is beginning to fall apart, all because he was afraid and would not trust God. And you know, this is true for us, isn't it? When we choose to go our own way and take life in our own hands, that life begins to fall apart and it doesn't work out so well. (laughs) And it blows our chance to be a blessing to others. I have a friend, I'll call him Bill, not his real name, but he was working in a a job, dealing with, uh, in a retail job, and he As he worked there, things were really tight at home. He was really struggling financially, and he just felt like, you know, it would be so easy to just manipulate the books a little bit and just skim a little bit off the top. Uh, You know, it's just, I'll just do it once. And he did it again and again. He began taking money, taking life in his own hands, and eventually was caught, fired, in debt, because he had to pay it all back, and and he lost his reputation in this secular business where, as a Christian, he was meant to be a light. And so that's what happens when we take life in our own hands. It doesn't work out. (laughs) It can't, because God's committed 
to growing our faith. And that's what I love about how God works here to intervene in Abram's life. At the end of verse 16, everything's a mess. And yeah, he's got camels, but the whole plan of God is threatened. And he's lost his wife. But listen to verse 17. But the Lord, the Lord's at work, even in our failure, folks. Even when we blow it, the Lord is at work fulfilling his plan. Why? Because God is faithful and he never violates his promises. He's promised to bless Abraham and make him a blessing and he's going to do it. (laughs) Even if Abram is having a hard time trusting him. So verse 17, the Lord stepped in. He struck Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. We don't know what these great plagues were. But whatever it was, it was pretty bad, pretty painful. Most commentators think there were probably sexual diseases or something related so that it was really clear to Pharaoh it had something to do with Sarai. And then Pharaoh figures out the whole thing, whether God spoke to him in a dream or whatever. We're not told, but he knows what's going on because he goes on in verse 18. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. I just think this is marvelous the way God works. Abram's kind of stuck in a place. And so God uses Pharaoh, this pagan king, to rebuke Abram (laughs) and to tell him, look, why are you doing this? See, the Pharaoh has more integrity at this point than Abram, and yet... God still loves Abram and is working in his life and drawing him back to himself. Abram, who should be rebuking Pharaoh, gets rebuked by Pharaoh. The sad part is, I think Abram lost his opportunity to be a blessing in Egypt. Instead, he gets rebuked, loses his reputation, is known as a man who's not a man of integrity. But then God works in a marvelous way (laughs) and says, through Pharaoh... Take your wife and go. Remember God's command to Abram way back in chapter 12, verse 1, when he called him and he said, Go from the land, from your family, to the place I've called you. And now God speaks through Pharaoh and reminds Abram of exactly the command. Go, Abram. Go back to the land. Go back to God. Go back where you need to be. Through the words of this pagan king, go back to God. And God speaks to us in our failure and our struggle as we're sitting there and we feel like failures and God is speaking to us in all kinds of ways saying, go, go back to God. Don't wallow in this. I'm at work. I'm faithful to you. Step back and trust me. Let this be used to break you of your self-dependence. But go. Go back to the place of blessing. Go back to the place of grace. Go back to faith. Abram is faithless, but God remains faithful. To bless Abram, to make him a nation, to make him a blessing. He gives his wife back to him. And he walks out of Egypt having plundered the Egyptians. (laughs) Amazing grace. Abram doesn't deserve it, but grace is something we can never deserve. We can only receive by faith.
such a wonderful picture for us that our faithlessness does not mess up the plan of God. I like this quote from 2 Timothy 2.13. This is the Amplified Bible. It says, If we are faithless, that is, do not believe and are untrue to him, he remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. What a great truth. When I mess up, when I take life in my own hands, when I try to take control, God will work through my life to bring me back to faith. It may be painful, it may be costly, but he will never, ever give up on us. I have a friend, a woman who was feeling lonely in her marriage and began to just draw away from her husband, began to seek other friendships, got involved, some other men, and it was just uh, decided to walk out completely on her marriage. But God over time was working in her heart and worked circumstances to bring her back to faith, to God first, and then ultimately back to her husband. And I recently received an email from her, and this is what she says. The Lord has never let me down. I just pushed him aside thinking I could handle it, quote-unquote, on my own. Isn't that what happens to all of us? You know, we push him aside and we think, okay, I can deal with this. God, you're not doing such a good job with my life, (laughs) so I think I can handle it better than you, and we take life in our own hands. But God never gives up on us. He keeps pursuing us. He keeps after us. Why? Because his plan is not that we would do everything right. He knows we won't. But his plan is to grow our faith, break us of our self-dependence, so we'll learn to depend on him. My little granddaughter, Naomi, learned to walk just a few months ago. And, you know, it was interesting as she began to learn to walk, as she's stumbling along, you know, we're encouraging her and we're always waiting to catch her knowing she's going to fall. And yet we expect that. And we just kind of help her back up and help her get through it so that she learns balance and learns to walk, learns to strengthen her muscles. We're not surprised by her falling or angry about it. In fact, it's just part of the process. And it's the same with God. He knows we're going to fall in our faith. In fact, he tests us, puts us in situations where we do fail so that we'll see how foolish it is to depend on ourselves. And so we will learn to trust him in a new way, in a new place. And then something else comes around and he tests us and we realize we don't trust God in this area and then we learn to trust him there. And that's, it's a lifelong path of faith. Like it was for Abraham. As we go on in his life, we'll see over and over again, he fails. He trusts God and he fails back and forth over and over. And God gets him where he needs to be. Verse 20, Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him, including the new donkeys and camels and all. And then verse 1 of chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. He and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot with him. Where's the Negev? 
southern Israel, part of the promised land. God got him back where he needed to be. And God kept his promises, blessed him, and brought him back to the land. You know, folks, we all struggle to trust God, every one of us. But God is faithful, never gives up. He's committed to test our faith. He's committed to grow our faith. And even when we fail the test, God has a purpose even in that. To break us and help us learn to trust him and him alone. So Abram, who really messed up, listen to the description of him in Hebrews chapter 11. Wonderful chapter on faith. And I'll close with this. Verse 8. By faith, Abram, or Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You see, that's what gives us freedom in life is when we follow the steps of Abraham and realize this life will never fulfill us, but we're looking for our heavenly city, the city that God has built for us. And as we trust him for that and for the needs of our heart, our faith will grow and we will be a blessing to this world in a world that desperately needs to see that God is real. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for Abram's example, his example of faith, but also his example of failure to trust you. Because, Lord, we can relate, especially to the failure. (laughs) And I pray, Lord, that you'd use this story to inspire us to greater faith, to trust you. And when we do fail, to turn back to you in your faithfulness and let you break us so that we might trust you more than we did before. Thank you that you're committed to grow our faith and thank you that you are faithful always to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.